John chapter 5, verse 30 to 47. Just a quick reminder too, this is like kind of like a trippy, confusing, deep chapter in the book of John. Um, It'll be kind of confusing, but here's like the big picture, what is even happening. Jesus is about to talk about all the people and the ways that he knows who he is and like like what validates him as Jesus, the son of God. So he's gonna be talking about witnesses who are bearing witness to him. So stick with it. It's gonna be like 17 kind of confusing verses, but we got this. John chapter five, verse 30, let's read it. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, it's John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, John, was a burning and shining lamp And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So he talks about John the Baptist, now he's talking about the works. Verse 37, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Jesus is getting kind of gnarly. Verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So that's the word of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, we right now, I just say we do want to believe your words. We want to believe in you. We don't want to reject you. We don't want to read the scriptures and miss you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, please continue to just move in this place. Help us to see the glory of Jesus and meet you, Jesus, and see you more clearly. And then also, would you speak to us, Lord, and encourage us where we need encouraging and strengthen us where we need strengthening. Spirit, you have full reign. You're allowed to convict us and and lead us and correct us and gently pour out your love for us. So thank you that we get to hear you from you, the living God right now as we open and study your word. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we as human beings 
have this innate God-given desire to like figure out our identity, like to figure out like, where do I get my worth? What is my purpose? Where do I find my worth, my identity, my purpose? We have this deep desire in us from God for someone to say to us, you are worth it. You are enough. Like we have that desire. But here's the thing. We live our life seeking for an identity and worth and purpose and all kinds of crazy things that that won't pan out. For example, if you want to find your worth and your identity, like socially, like with people, um, you're just going to live like group to group to group, needing like that person to like you and that person to like you. And let's say like four of the five like you. I don't know if you're like me, but doesn't it drive you crazy? Like, why doesn't that person like me? And you just like, you, you're gonna like have this hunger always for someone to like you. And here's the thing, even if you win over that person, then there's like someone else. You're like, why won't they like me? Right, like that's one way we're tempted to find our worth and our identity. Another one that's pretty common, especially for many of us at this stage in life is school, right? Like I need this professor to approve of me. I need this amount of uh, this type of GPA. I need this high. I need to get perform this well. For some of the rest of us, it's work. They may be like, I need this boss to like me or approve of me or just my supervisor. I just need them to affirm me and say, hey, good job. And when you do your job and they don't recognize you, you're like, oh man. For others of us, it may have been or still be, may still be sports, right? Like just to have a coach or another teammate or just like what you expect of yourself, how you want to perform. You put your identity there. You want to find worth in that. Um, Another one for us is family, especially when we're younger. But even now we like, we crave the approval of our family members, like our dad or our mom, or maybe it's like a crazy grandparent. You're like, man, I just need them to approve of me. Um, Here's a crazy one. We look to Instagram to find our worth and our identity, right? Like how many likes, how many followers? Here's the thing, how fun is it to be in someone else's story, right? You're like, yes, the world is seeing me and I didn't even promote me, right? Like it just feels good, right? Like someone else is promoting me. Um, Honestly, this happens. I I don't really look at Instagram, but I have an Instagram. um, And one of my friends, her name's Nikki Lee, she works here. She uh, like posted me and I was in her story. And I was like, oh, like, people don't follow Nikki, they're going to miss out on me on Instagram. Like, that's honestly in my heart. Like, I wish more people followed Nikki so that they could see me. Um, Here's another one. We can look to ministry to validate us and find our worth. Like, man, I need people to approve of me. I need people to recognize me and say, man, you're so gifted in that. Or I just feel the presence of God when you do that. I, I want people to say thank you and say that was helpful. That's a struggle I face. I'm like, man, Who's going to come to abide and how good is my sermon going to be? And I base my emotional like worth and health on like how I feel like things are going. We all have this like pressure to find our worth and our identity in other things. Now hear this. Jesus was free from that pressure. Jesus was entirely free from needing to find his worth and identity in school or work or sports or family or Instagram or even ministry, Jesus was free of that. He was free of the anxiety and the endless just treadmill of needing to do something else and seeking approval and worth and recognition. He was free of that. And Jesus leads us to freedom, to the very same freedom. He actually offers us that. And I just want to say, as we get into the word of God, I just am so thankful that the word of God actually helps provide like 
real, practical, tangible help for our daily life and struggles. Like this isn't just an old book that we need to study. Like God's word is so helpful. Like I want to be completely free from finding my worth and my identity in any of that stuff. And so tonight, as we look at verses 30 to 47, Jesus is showing us as he's speaking where he found his worth and his identity and his validation. And Jesus is discussing all these things where he does get his worth and validation. And then as we look at how Jesus walked through life and where he found his worth and his identity and his validation, we can learn from him where we too can find our own worth and identity and validation and, and how we can be free from needing to look in all these other places that will ultimately let us down. So I've broken it up into six points, six truths in these verses about our identity and our worth. Um, We're gonna look at Jesus and then what does it mean for us? So the first thing we can see is in verse 31 is this. This is crazy. Jesus didn't look to himself to find his identity. He did not look within to find his worth which is crazy because he's God. He, if anyone had the right to be like, hey, I'm awesome, so let me just look at myself and be like, look how awesome I am, it was Jesus. And even Jesus didn't look to his own self, didn't look within to find his worth. Look at verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus is saying, I don't need to prove myself to you. And if that's what I'm trying to do, you shouldn't trust me. Like that's crazy. Jesus is saying, I'm not looking to myself to bear witness about myself so that you all know that I am who I say that I am. Listen, Jesus knew who he was. He knew I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm the second member of the Trinity. I'm equal with God. God is my, he's already said, God is my father. He's already performed miracles that nobody else has. He's already been filled with the spirit. He's like facing Satan in the wilderness saying, nope, I'm not falling for you, walks away. If there was anyone who had the, uh, the right to be confident in who he knew himself to be, it was Jesus. But Jesus does not look within. It's crazy to find his worth and identity. We're gonna see in the subsequent points where he does look for his worth and his identity. Now, that's really profound for us. If you look to yourself, within yourself, and your abilities and skills for an identity, you will be miserable and is not where we should look. Now here's, this is, this is so profound. Probably like the defining feature of the culture we live in says the very thing. Hey, look within yourself to find your worth and your purpose and your identity. And I want to be really gentle with our culture. They don't, our culture as a whole doesn't know Jesus. We shouldn't expect them to know Jesus. But I want to be helpful for us as followers of Jesus to see the foolishness that our culture says, hey, you want to find your identity and your worth? Look within. So I'm going to get a little bit deep, a little bit critical, not at the world, but so that we would not fall for this trap. Uh, Okay, 1200s, in the 1200s, there was this man named Rumi. Has anyone ever heard of him? Nice. Someone's heard of Rumi. Good job, Noah. He was uh, a Muslim preacher. 
That's how he started off. He's a Muslim preacher. Um, and he began to like move towards more like mystical experiences. So he was like a classic Muslim preacher, but then he's like starting to get like more mystical. And then he started writing poetry. And um, he is honestly probably the most accurate spokesman, spokesperson for the culture we live in. In fact, he is literally the best-selling poet in America and the world. This guy named Rumi, who I'd never heard of until I was studying this. Rumi from Persia is the best-selling poet in the United States. And I'm going to read you a couple of things, what he said 800 years ago, and tell me if it sounds familiar, okay? He's, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from Rumi. He says this, Do you know what you are? You are a manuscript of a divine letter. You are a mirror reflecting a noble face. This universe is not outside you. Look inside yourself. Everything that you want, you are already that. That like could be a song right now, right? That was 800 years ago. He's got another one. Why should I seek? I am the same as he, capital H. His essence speaks through me. I have been looking for myself. He's saying, listen, I don't need to go look to find God. Look within myself. Everything I am looking for and hoping for is already within myself. Like this is, I, this is like what we hear every day, all day long. Like this is almost, I could be like, you hear this like motivational speech like today. Um, he's influenced other guys. This guy, Carl Jung, I'm not sure if that's how you say his last name. Uh, 1800s, he said this. Your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. He who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. Now, here's the thing. These guys were like pretty smart and they said decent stuff. They even said good, helpful stuff at times. But I just, I I want you to hear this. If you follow Jesus we are not to look within for our worth and our identity and our purpose. We are to look outward at the Lord for our worth and our identity and purpose. And where they say, listen, look within, follow your heart. Jesus says, listen, you should follow me. Don't follow your heart and what's within. Like you should follow me. We are to say with John the Baptist two chapters earlier, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. A Christian says, I want to look away from myself and at Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, he even said this. I'm going to read it in the NLT. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4. This is awesome. He's talking about people who were judging him. This is what he says. As for me, this is Paul, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Paul's like, I don't even, I don't care what you think. Paul's crazy. I don't care what you think. I don't care what the government thinks. I don't even care what I think. It's the Lord who will examine me and decide. Listen, if we want to find our worth and our identity and our purpose and the place to go and how and where we should go, we should not look within. We should look at Jesus. Proverbs 3, uh, 4, and 5 says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, the Lord, and he will make your paths straight. 
This, we could spend 45 minutes on this. This point is so prevalent. But here's the thing. Jesus, verse 31, I do not bear witness about myself. He's not looking within. He's looking elsewhere. So where else does Jesus look? Where else should we look? Well, the second thing we see is in verse 33, and it's this. John the Baptist bore witness to who Jesus was. That's the second thing we learn here. John the Baptist bore witness to Jesus. He says in verse 33, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Okay, so John the Baptist was this prophet the Old Testament talked about. He's going to get people ready for Jesus. He's going to prepare people for Jesus. He's calling people to repent because a Savior was coming. But here's the thing. This is crazy. Jesus is like crazy right now. He's like, yeah, John the Baptist bore witness about me. And then he says in verse 34, and I don't need him to bear witness about me. Look at it. Look what he says. Not that the testimony I receive is from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He's like, yeah, John was right. He bore witness about me, but I don't even need John the Baptist to tell me what is right. Now, so it's kind of like interesting because John the Baptist was a man who was bearing accurate witness about Jesus, but Jesus is saying, I don't even need man to bear witness about me, but he was right. And I, just a quick point on this. There is a place for godly community to at least be a starting point for helping us understand who we are in the Lord. There's a place for that. There's a place for a trusted, godly friend or friends to help us see more clearly who we are. Um, Community helps, like we all know this. We all have like interesting ideas about ourselves, and like our friends actually see things more clearly. Like when we say something, it's kind of dumb. I hope you have a couple of friends who are like, Hey, maybe that's not the best thing, or that's not the most true, or maybe you don't really have a, a great understanding about yourself. Uh, Proverbs says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You want to like understand who you are? It's, it's good for a friend to be like, hey, it's even better for a friend to like wound you. Like, no, that's not, that's not actually true. We can learn from a faithful friend and, and from, from people in general. But Jesus is like, that's not where I'm going to stop. The third thing Jesus says where he finds his identity and his worth and his validation for who he is is in verse 36, and it's this. Jesus said his miracles spoke of who he is. Or you could put it this way. His works, what he did, spoke to his identity. Verse 36 The testimony that I have is greater than that of John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So what are you saying? John the Baptist was cool. Yes, thank you, John the Baptist. But I have something even better than John the Baptist. He says, my miracles, what I can do, display and speak and bear witness about me. Now, just remember Nobody could do what Jesus did. At that point, no one had ever healed a blind person. No one had ever produced food for tens of thousands of people from a handful of loaves. No one like walked on the ocean and just said, hey, stop, storm, and it stopped. No one else, this is awesome, could just walk up to a demon and say, you have to go. And it like freaked out and it left. Nobody could do what Jesus did. And then... Jesus, his works that bear witness, no one else ever went to a cross and bore the sins of the world on the cross. No one else ever rose from the dead and never died again. And no one else is seated at the right hand of God, enthroned in power over all things. Jesus says, I want you to look at what I can do. And that tells you something about me. And and here's, here's why this is important. 
kind of to get back to like when I look within and I want to find my identity within, we, we know this. If we're honest with ourselves, like we contradict ourselves. Like I'm like Paul, I like want to do good and yet I do something bad, right? Anybody else ever had that? Like I want to do this. I want to get up. I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna be with Jesus. It's gonna be awesome. And then I hit the snooze button like 14 times and like I'm late and I'm angry. Like that is my daily experience. I also, though I know I'm a son of God, I face temptation and I have desires that are not right and godly. I have anger. I have insecurity. And listen, if I wanna look within and try and like figure out like who am I? Am I that desire? Am I this desire? Who am I? Listen, I find my identity in the works of Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. All that confusion, all of that sin, all of those acts of rebellion that I like, feel like I bear has literally been wiped away by the blood of Jesus. And I'm handed a new robe of righteousness, a new identity because of what Jesus has done, the works of Jesus shape my identity. I cannot look within, I can look to Jesus. And as, listen, this is even profound. As Jesus was like, hey, you wanna know who I am? Look at what I'm doing here. As Jesus' works revealed his identity, hear me, our works reveal, they speak to at least a part of who we are at our core. You hear that? Our works, our life, the actions that we have, the words that come out of our mouth speak in part about, they reveal rather who we are. Because listen, one who's been raised from the dead and given a new heart and loves the Lord and the spirit has been filled, that person will have a certain type of life, will bear certain types of works that will be different from someone who is still dead and far from God on the inside. Our works, our life, our decisions, our either giving into temptation or fighting temptation reveal a bit about what is really going on inside of us. But now here's, here's this is really important. I, was, I missed this for like 20 years. I knew that my works revealed who I was. And so do you know what I focused on? I just focused on my works for 20 years. Okay, Jesus, I'm gonna read my Bible. I'm gonna say no to sin. I'm gonna love people. And I like, that was my goal, just bear good works. And I was so angry and miserable. And when I failed, I was just mad at myself. And when I did good, I was mad at everyone else. Like, you all suck. You don't do what Jesus does. And I was just like all about my works because my goal was my works. Listen, if the goal is your works, you will only be frustrated. The goal is to abide in Jesus. And then the fruit of that will bear many, many good works. If you are like, dang, my works are like off. Listen, don't focus on your works and spiritual disciplines. What you need first is to like go be with Jesus. Like go sit and be with Jesus. Remember that I don't earn my identity. He has earned it for me. And that as I seek his face, as I seek his presence, as I seek him in his word, as I, as I learn to love him more and the spirit fills me more, like I will inevitably change and bear good fruit. Like I've, I've said this before, if, if you're like an avocado branch and you're cut off and you're laying on the ground and you're like, I must bear avocados. It doesn't matter how hard you try, 
you're just, it's not going to happen, right? But if you're an avocado branch and you're just enjoying being a part of this tree, like, hey, guess what? Oh, wow, look at these avocados. They grew overnight. This is crazy. Jesus is like, I'm the vine. Abide in me. Be with me. Spend time with me. Worship me. Confess your sins so that you can be near to me. Be with me and then watch what happens with your life. So if your works are off, just one more time, don't focus on your works. Go run to the feet of Jesus. He will change your heart. He will fill you with, your, with his spirit and the works will come. So Jesus says, look, I bear works. They bear witness about me. But that's not all. The next thing, number four, where Jesus looks for his identity, says maybe the most important thing I'll say is in verse 37. Jesus looked to his father for his identity. Verse 37 And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. Uh, If you remember when Jesus was baptized at the very beginning of his ministry, John the Baptist was there and he baptizes Jesus and it says, heaven open and the Father spoke audibly, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then the spirit fell on him. Jesus looked not within not just to people, not only to John the Baptist, not just to what he could do. Verse 37 says, Jesus looked to his father for his worth and his identity. And as Jesus' father revealed who Jesus was, listen, that is where we have to go to find our worth and our identity. That's where we have to go. We talked about this last week. We can't go only to our own fathers, our mothers, or family history. They may be awesome. They may be broken. We're really prone to look to our own fathers for our identity or like, man, I'm going to be just like them or I don't want to be like them. Listen, we need to look to our heavenly father and what he says about us because only your heavenly father can give you an unshaken identity. Only your heavenly father. And it makes you free. It makes you free. Jesus is like, listen, I don't need these people to tell me awesome job, Jesus, or you suck, Jesus. He's like, I know what my father thinks of me. I'm free. I have my identity and my worth and my validation from my father. Like that is to be our daily operation. When I'm like living my life and I mess up, does that wreck me? Well, I should say no, like my father still loves me right now. He sent his son to die for me that I could be made forgiven, cleansed, be called a son of of God or a daughter of God. Like I have value because of my heavenly father. Like that's something only by God's grace he can do for you. But I pray that the spirit of God tonight would just remind you and speak to those places of doubt and failure and where else we're looking for identity and would say, no, listen, Look to your father, your heavenly father, who says, this is my beloved son or daughter. And like that is freedom. Verse 39 is the next place Jesus speaks to who, what validates him, where his identity and worth is. Jesus' identity is found in the word of God. Look at verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. Okay, this is so, like this verse, I almost wish we could just only preach on this verse. Jesus is saying, listen, this book is about me. 
This book bears witness to me. Verse 46, he goes on to say, Moses wrote of me. Well, if you've ever read the Old Testament and like the Ten Commandments, you're like, well, no, it looks like Moses wrote about like, do this and don't do this. Jesus says, no, you're missing it. If all you think Moses wrote about was do this and don't do this, you're missing it. Moses wrote about me. The scriptures are about me. In Luke 24, after he rose from the dead, he was walking with two disciples and he was like, he disguised himself and he was like, they didn't recognize it was Jesus. And then it said, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. This book, the whole thing has a point. It's Jesus. This whole thing, Genesis 1-1, Exodus, Leviticus, like everything in this book is about Jesus and pointing us to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you're crazy if you read this book and you miss me. You're like wasting your time. You get up early, spend time in the Bible. If you forget that it's about Jesus, like you're miss, you think that there's life in just having a devotional. No, this is about me. Come and be with me. And so let it be our encouragement every time we read this book, like, where is Jesus? Where is the gospel? Where is the love of God that though I fell short, Jesus came for me? Like that is, should, should be like our lens every time I read this book, every time I hear a sermon, like, is Jesus there? Is it about Jesus? Listen, I'll just be honest. If you ever hear a sermon and it does not point you to Jesus, it was a bad one. It was a bad one. Maybe like, here's some life principles. Here's some things about life. If you spend time in this book and miss the gospel, that God loves you even though you've sinned and he sent his son for you to make all things new and right, if you miss that, it is a waste. And that is what these Jewish people were doing. They knew the scriptures. They literally had the Old Testament memorized. And Jesus is like, and you missed the whole point. Like, how depressing is that? So, We must, must, must not miss Jesus in the word of God. That is why the Bible was written so that we could see Jesus. And then the Bible is also where we find truths about us. Like Jesus looked to the word of God for his identity. We do the same thing. God, help me understand who I am. Yes, Jesus and the Father. And then look what the Father and Jesus say about you. You are, you are beloved. You are forgiven. You've been made whole and cleansed. If you've trusted in Jesus, you're a new creation. Sin no longer has, is, is a, has chains over your life. You're the temple of God. The Bible says you are priests. You are a royal priesthood. You have royalty in your blood because of Jesus because this is where we find truth about our identity. And then the last place Jesus speaks to that's so profound is uh, he tells us, here's where you should not look for your identity. Verse 41, Jesus did not look to people, to other people to find his identity. And now this is so important, you guys, because this is the number one place we are prone to go and look and find our worth and our identity. Like I desire the praises of man and what people think of me. And Jesus says, that's not the way. That's not where you find worth and value with someone, what somebody else says about you. Now listen, Jesus says, listen, that, to look for the praises of people, 
not only is that a bad place to find your identity, in verse 44, Jesus says, if we look to people for our identity, we, can, we, we will miss God altogether. He says, you cannot even believe in him if we look to other people. Look at verse 44. This is crazy. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Like, I don't, I don't even really understand why that is. But he says, you cannot even believe in me if you look to others for your glory and for your praise. Like when, when we seek our worth and our identity and our purpose in another person, Jesus says we're rejecting God. Like that's crazy. When, when people are more important to our hearts than God is, he says like we've like actually walked away from God altogether. Like God isn't like second place. Like he says, listen, you cannot believe in me if people are more important. And what you want is just glory from people. Listen, like this is crazy. The greatest danger to your walk with Jesus isn't your sexual sin. It's not jealousy. It's not your doubt. It's desiring glory and praise from other people. Like the greatest danger to your walk with the Lord. It's not your sin. It's not your doubt. It's desiring the glory and praise from other people. That's wild. I think it's because it's idolatry. Because it's saying people are my God. People are what matter to my heart. Another way uh, the Bible talks about that is the fear of man. Like, like when, when people, when we are afraid, we live in this fear of what someone's going to think of me. Like, how do I look? Like, I don't know. I'm afraid. Like, am I enough? Like, how do I act? I don't know. What if they reject me? Like, that is the fear of man. And God says, if, if you have the fear of man, you've like walked from me. People have become your God. People are bigger in your heart than I am. And, and this, is, this is really uh, counterintuitive, but do you know what the solution to the fear of man is? It's the fear of God. It's when God is bigger to your heart and mind and soul than anything else. It's when like, I am more afraid of displeasing and walking away from God than I am at like what this person thinks of me and what they think of my outfit and like how I acted in that situation. If my parents are proud of me, if I'm going to perform or how I feel about my own performance. Like when I fear God, when God is bigger and more amazing and, and more terrifying, like, man, if the worst possible thought is to rebel against him. Like that is the fear of God. And that delivers us from the fear of man. It just does. That's what Jesus is saying here. When, listen, I don't need the praises of people because I have my father and I know what he thinks of me. I, it doesn't matter. These people may not like me. They may reject me. They may even kill me. That's okay. I have my father. And it, you know, it's not popular to talk about the fear of man, or I mean the fear of God. It's like, oh, but like, we don't like thinking about that part of God's attributes that like he's holy and gnarly and like it's not a good thing to like rebel against him. But the Bible from start to finish talks about the fear of God. In the book of Acts, it says they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of God. 
like our walk with God should be full of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm not condemned. I know the love of God. I'm okay. And then also the fear of God, to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of God. And if the best way I could describe the fear of God is this. Imagine you're like, this is my metaphor because this happens to me sometimes. It has happened. You're in the woods, you're walking along and you turn a corner and there is a huge bear right there. There's a bear in front of you. You're like, oh my gosh, this is not a good thing. He's powerful, big teeth, strong claws, all the above, right? And you're like, I'm going to die. And then Jesus comes, he's like, hey, wait, bear, don't kill them, you can kill me. And Jesus gets killed. And you're like, that was gnarly. Then Jesus rises from the dead and is like, hey, guess what? That bear that killed you is actually God. And you deserve to die. But I love you, I took your death. And guess what? This bear that is gnarly is now for you. And guess what your life is now gonna consist of? You get this friend bear everywhere you go. And anytime you need anything ever, this bear is for you. Listen, it, is, it does not honor God to take out his teeth and his claws and to like make him like okay and easy and not scary. It doesn't honor him, but it does honor him that all of the gnarliness and scariness of God was taken on Jesus so that now all of the gnarliness and scariness of God is for you on your behalf. That person who makes fun of you, like the bear is like, let me just eat that person for you. I don't need to be afraid of that person. Metaphorically speaking, I can walk knowing that that bear in all of his strength and glory and might is for me. And listen, I'm not afraid of that or that or that because I have this with me and for me. When God is bigger in my heart than any other person, I am free. I am free from what people think. I'm free from failing. I'm free from like depression, like I suck, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not like them. Like I am safe because I have God for me. I find my worth and my identity and my purpose, not in myself, not in my performance, not in what I can do, but in the fact that God is for me. Who can be against me? Like who can be, what am I afraid of? Jesus is saying this is what is offered to you, that God would be with you and for you. And the last thing I just want to close is remind us of this. Our worth and our identity is a gift from God. It's grace. It's not earned. We don't perform for it. We don't get a grade on it. It is given to us by Jesus, who said, let me perform perfectly for you. And then you and all of your failures and imperfections, like I will cleanse those and wash them. I will put my righteousness around you like a robe. My father will become your father. My spirit will be in you. And I will declare all of my promises and my word over you. And let me gift you a new identity. Jesus says, Get rid of that old identity. Stop looking at what you can do and who you are and how you're better, more unique, or more gifted. Like, no, let me give you your identity through what I have done on the cross. Let me say you, my father is for you. And so here's what we're gonna do. As we worship, we all are so prone to like look to this thing or that person or our identity and worth is like trapped because of what that person has said or what this person has done to us. And I want us to be free to like confess 
those struggles, those maybe idols, maybe those wounds, those sins, like some of us are like in deep gnarly sin that people don't know about. And we think like that's our identity. Like, you know, no, I know what my identity is. It's what I'm enslaved to. It's what I'm going to go do tonight. It's what my heart is going to go do later. Listen, Jesus says, that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Like, I can free you from that. And Jesus says, first, I died on the cross. But second, freedom and healing comes as we, like, confess those things to one another. So as we worship, we're going to make space for you to actually obey Jesus and confess areas where our identities are off, where we're putting our hope in this person or that performance, where we are wounded, like, let's confess actually to each other areas that our identity is off. And then let's pray for each other. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would minister and heal and would remind us and encourage us, help us believe what God the Father says over us, that that would matter more to us than what that person says or what that person says. Then we're going to have communion where you can remember Jesus was actually broken and bled for you. And then the last most important goal that we have right now is to sit at Jesus' feet and abide in him, just to be with him. And that is where the fruit of our life walking with Jesus will come from. So Jesus, thank you that we don't make for ourselves our identity and our purpose. Thank you that you showed us where true identity and purpose comes from, ultimately from your Father, what he has said over you. And God, I just pray for freedom right now over this room. Any areas where our identities and and our worth is in anything else besides you. Just pray for freedom. I pray that your spirit would break any of those chains. I pray that every single one of us could be honest with a friend, like, man, I'm putting my hope here. This particular thing is wrecking me. And Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do and pour out the love of the Father on us, that we would know we are truly a beloved son and daughter because what Christ has done for us. We want to sit at your feet, Jesus. Don't want to be like Mary, just busy and distracted. Help us, Martha, busy and distracted. We want to be like Mary, who is sitting at your feet. Spirit, come.